All right, so we have a secret word uh, that I've been doing in the last couple episodes, and I do this for our Patreon members. And so there'll be a word, and you won't be able to see it, uh, but it'll appear on the bottom of the screen. And if I can get you to say that secret word uh, during this podcast, then one of our Patreon members will win a prize. So verify for the listening audience, because they won't see it. Verify that you can't see anything on the screen. I don't see anything. All right. Okay. So if I can get you to say that word, and sometimes I'll try to throw some hints or whatever, it's just a fun way to... uh, See if I am on my on my game. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky. Yeah. So there'll be a secret word. It's it's not a super uh, tricky word or anything like that. It's not like, you know, Volkswagen or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it'll be a word that you'll probably say. And uh, if you say that, then I'll uh, get to hit the <laughs> applause button. <laughs> nice. It's about that time to sit back and enjoy a podcast. The Maker Lounge Podcast, brought to you by Matt Volker with Volker Woodworking. Speaking out on the show today, Matt. Thanks, Mike. Uh, since 2014, this guy has been making handmade goods and furniture and is a co-host of a podcast called We Built a Thing. He makes some beautiful pieces showcased on his various social media channels, but it's not just his projects that get him views. It's that good old Southern drawl. His <laughs> friends call him Brew Daddy and sometimes Big Daddy. But his name is Bruce Ulrich, and he stepped into something, The Lounge. Welcome to The Lounge. <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you know. Is uh, that a fat joke? Uh, tall. Oh, okay. You're, you're, okay. you're tall. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brew Daddy, Big Daddy. Uh, any other names we should know about? No, I think that's it. That the brew daddy I've had for a long time. I think I was in junior high or high school, uh, like a youth pastor I had. He just started calling me that, like, "What's up, brew daddy?" And it just oh, yeah. kind of stuck. <laughs> so I, uh, I just stuck with it. Yeah. So when you started your your uh, page, you you put brew daddy. Were you doing any like projects at the time, or was it just your personal? No, it was just personal. I decided to after years of having that and just posting whatever because i was really into photography and stuff years ago that's how a lot of people on instagram got into it right um i just decided i didn't want to start over so i basically just transitioned it and stopped posting all the personal stuff to that one and just kept the same page and made it the woodworking page yeah gotcha did you go back through and delete uh all the other stuff and i actually haven't no because i've got over five thousand posts so if you want to take the time, you can scroll all the way back and see a bunch yeah. of flower pictures and, you know, probably some kids and different things. But at, right. at a certain point, it was pretty, pretty noticeable. Yeah. When I'm prepping for a podcast, sometimes I'll go back and, and try to find that first, uh, you know, post or whatever. Uh, but I've known you for some time and mm-hmm. known you, meaning we've been following each other for some time. Right. Uh, uh, but I wasn't about to scroll 5,000 posts. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> And I don't think uh, I've been to an event, you know, in person live where you've been there. So maybe one day right. we'll, we'll get to do that and catch up in person. Yeah, we've we've been missing each other. Uh, I did WorkbenchCon uh, the last couple of years and then AWFS and not too much. I mean, just the, the local things, uh, Texas yeah. Woodworking Show and things like that. I went to IWF last fall. Did you? Okay. Yeah, in, in August. That was Vegas? No, that was down in Atlanta, so they alternate every other year. But I am going to the AWFS show in Vegas coming up, I guess it's in about three weeks. 
Yeah, I'm gonna miss that one. I, I will be in the Austin, the Austin one. Okay. Uh, so there's there's the Texas Woodworking Show in Austin, uh, in August. So I'll be there for that. Yeah. So you got you got kids just keeping you busy? I do. Yep. I've got three kids. Um, my oldest just turned 13. I've got an 11 year old and a seven year old. Okay. Yeah, our kids are about the same age. Yeah, it's a it's a different stage. And we were talking before we hit record that. You know, summertime brings later bedtimes and it just, it's a totally different dynamic. Right. I think I heard in one of your other uh, posts that you did, your wife as a teacher. She is. Yeah. Is she, that right? She's taught elementary for yeah. 19 years and just in the last two years has, uh, actually last year was her first year in middle school. So she'll be teaching middle school again this okay. coming fall. And so far she's liking it. That's good. Yeah. You can banter a lot more with, with the middle school kids. You, than can, you can, but they're sassy. Tree. <laughs> yeah they, uh is the, the, the bad ones are really bad <laughs> yeah is the district uh, a good district or is it it is it's good this yeah. school uh this particular school in the district has has some troubled kids but um she has real good support uh from the leadership and stuff so this past year was even with dealing with difficult problem children she had the support she needed yeah, that the teacher life is no joke i mean my wife comes home and she's just she's wiped out <laughs> and, oh yeah you know people people make the the comments about well oh must be nice to have the whole summer off but mm -hmm. you know that without that I, there's no way that the, it would be sustainable that job no i don't think they would get enough break to to even want to go back <laughs> right yeah it takes a little time to psych yourself back up <laughs> <laughs> exactly our district just uh now we have a february and an october break um during the year so they do get a, a like mid school year breaks kind of thing. Uh, we do have a fall nice. break in October, but we don't have a February break. It's a, uh, it's exhausting just seeing what she has to go through. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what about you? Uh, we were talking pre-show, but what's kind of the, the origin story of, of how you got into all this. And yeah, I, I spent a long time in banking. Uh, I had about 15 years of working jobs in banking the last of which was about 2019. Um, I was in bank marketing for many of those years. So it's pretty boring. You know, marketing can be fun, but bank bank marketing is pretty boring. It's like writing copy <laughs> for how to get a debit card or something, you know? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, writing, writing website copy and that kind of stuff. But um, I left that in. So that's kind of how I started making things and doing stuff. Growing up, my dad was always real handy with stuff, and I helped him with different things. Um, he has a house built in the 1950s, and it had a two-car carport. And when I was in high school, just on nights and weekends, we converted that two-car carport to a fully built-out, basically like mother-in-law suite, like huge room with an ensuite, mm. double vanity, and walk-in closet and bath. And it was challenging because... At the time his house was built, two by fours were actually two inch by four inch, but we were having to use modern materials to match up to that. And it was difficult oh, wow. trying to get the, the joists to match up and all of that. But I learned a lot through that because we did everything from pouring some concrete because it had a little footer wall uh, to doing a little bit of masonry, you know, woodworking, framing, that kind of stuff. He was never real heavy into the woodworking side. So that's kind of something I picked up years later. And it was while I was in banking, I was just wanting something to do i wanted to make some stuff around the house and kind of started a side hustle you know doing right. that making some stuff for for people making cutting boards and that kind of thing as far as getting on youtube it was probably like 2015 i was watching a bunch of people like jay bates and 
Jimmy Duresta, you know, Bob Claggett, David Picciuto, a lot of those folks were really posting heavy at that time. And in 2016, I actually started filming myself. Uh, I was already posting some to Instagram, you know, not a, not a ton, especially by today's standards, how people post content. But um, right. for whatever reason, I never edited the first video and put it out until 2017. I, I had been shooting for almost a year of different projects. Oh, wow. And it just took that long to kind of, I don't know, to put it together and put it out there for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, my channel is about five years old, but those first few months, it, I would say it harmed my channel by not having enough content. Because if people, my first video actually did quite well by standards of not a large channel, and they didn't have something else to watch. So that was poor planning on my part. I should have released a few yeah. at a time and been faster but again you know right. it was a side hustle i had another full career I had a family and um that's just how it shook down so now you're doing this uh doing this full time made made the leap and never looked back at the banking business <laughs> no i'm glad to be gone from that um that corporate yeah. life was sucking the life out of me um i i kind of transitioned for a little while into back in 2019 into being a realtor for a couple of years uh, I always just kind of wanted the realtor thing to be part-time and, and grow the woodworking side. But what I found, right. at least in the area where I was, is I was spending 50, 60 hours a week doing realtor stuff part-time, you know, quote unquote. And, <laughs> and it, you yeah. know, that's full-time time. And I just wasn't making full-time money at it. And it was sucking all of the extra time out of growing the woodworking business that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you so, ever get interested in flipping houses or anything like that? Yeah, the the capital outlay, you know, up front is is always a a barrier to that for me. I'm I'm pretty debt averse, so yeah, it's it's not something I leap into very very quickly. I don't really love jumping into partnerships, and I don't like getting a loan for stuff. So that kind of eliminates that. Now, eventually, right. sure, I'd like to own some some investment properties outright, and I'll probably do some of the upgrades and and stuff on it. Uh, right. But that's a little ways down the road still. Yeah, it's what's funny is I know a couple other uh, bankers, and they are also risk averse, and and uh, you know, so with your background in that, and they don't take out loans and stuff like that, and but then the the consumerism <laughs> culture, people who aren't in that, they're doing all of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know if it's just because you see it. I mean, I, I was not a lender, but I obviously saw a lot of it and, and wrote copy for all those people. And, um, you just see why all the banks have the nice buildings and the nice furniture, you know, I mean, there's a reason you're paying right. all your money to the, yeah. these people. Yeah. My, uh, my parents were, uh, well, my mom specifically was in and out of the hospital quite a bit last year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I got to know the people at the front. So it's like, it's like the bank, right? You get to know the people at the front of the hospital pretty, pretty well when you're going in and out yep. and uh, they're like, Oh, here you are. You know, you're back. And I was like, yeah, you know, you see those, that, uh, chandelier over there, we paid for that. You see that <laughs> those tiles, we paid for that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> same, same thing with a bank, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, you mentioned doing this full time, I can't really say that I do woodworking full time. It's all woodworking adjacent. It's kind of around that, but I do like a million little things that kind of make up an income. I have a, a podcast and we can talk about that a little more later, but yeah. you know, I sell local items that I make. Uh, I do laser engraving. I have a CNC machine that I do some of that, you know, contracting out. I have made furniture items for people for sale. Um, 
I sometimes just work for another local shop here that's my buddy, but I'll just go work with him because I already have the skill and he can just yeah. hire me on kind of an as needed basis and they build big cool stuff. So sometimes it's just kind of fun. Um, you know, just many little things like that. Uh, website sales, I, I sell some stuff online on Etsy. So that makes up some of it. So it's all these just like death by a thousand right. cuts that yeah. kind of adds together. It's actually sounds fun, you know, because like you're not, you're not building widgets out of your shop where you're just doing the same thing over and over. Right. You, it sounds like you have a lot of variety. It's a blessing and a curse. Cause you know, I think that also, Hey, great. I'm not sitting and doing 500 of one thing and getting tired of it, but uh, some of these things, if you don't put a decent process in place or whatever, it's, uh, you kind of really have to remember, Oh, let me change completely my gears and go set up <laughs> to make two of these and ship them out. Right. So you really have right. to, I think with your offerings, you kind of have to not dumb them down, but don't have quite so many options so that you can say, okay, when I do change over to this tool, I can get going. I can make two, a small batch of these. Cause that's what a lot of us do is small batch stuff. Right. And, um, you know, when I'm making some cutting boards, if I get an order for two or three of them, I usually make a couple extra because I have a, a size and a style that people order from me. And that way I just have some for inventory. It's kind of like when you're, when you're making food for a big family, it's not much harder to make, you know, a home cooked meal for five people than it is for two people. Yeah. I mean, if you're already busting out the sandpaper and, and getting after the sanding, you might as well just go for it. <laughs> right. And, and do a bunch of them. Yeah, that, there's nothing more frustrating than getting a cutting board order and you have you don't have one ready to go. Yeah, you're like oh now I've got a now I've got to you know make a bunch of cutting boards just <laughs> right when you're in the middle of another process. Correct, that's how it always ends up. Um, and and some of that slowed down for me here in the last year. Uh, the mortgage industry is kind of weird right now with rates going up like it is. I, I have in the past had a lot of realtors that I I sell to. I mean that's been one of the things I've done since probably. I don't know, 2013 or 14. Uh, basically, as soon as I got a table mm -hmm. saw and a joiner, I was doing that. Yeah, I noticed the same thing. This this Christmas was was way slower uh, yeah. for cutting cutting board charcuterie uh, compared to the year prior. I mean, the year prior I made probably over a hundred in uh -huh. the, between October and December time frame, and this last year I I don't even think I made twenty, maybe yeah. fifteen. And, you know, some people might say that that market is totally saturated. I don't think so, because that's still a nice gift that a lot of people like to, to buy and give to others. Uh, something, I mean, something's up. Obviously, yeah. we're all feeling the pinch of an economy that's got some, some inflation going on. So maybe that's pinching in that one, one place that you and I are feeling it. Uh, well, and, and then also Amazon takeover, right? So people right. are waiting to buy gifts at the last second, and then they get it shipped in two days where you and I would take an order. It's going to be two to three weeks, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can usually do it in in a week is what I tell people and that's kind of, you know, pushing it if you're starting with raw lumber, you got to really make some progress each day. But yeah. <laughs> year, a couple of years ago back in Mississippi when we lived there, I I was going and trying to get new business. So to do that, I was just eating the cost of some boards. I would make up like a nice cutting board, go ahead and do some research on the top agents that I wanted to kind of solicit. I'd engrave mm -hmm. their name into the front of, of it as if it was one of their clients. And then I would put an example on the back of their information, um, oh. you know, just telling their information, their re realty company, that kind of thing, just to show them an example of what I can do. And then I just hand it to them. I, I request right. a in-person meeting because one of those things, like when you set it in their hand, then they're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Right. 
when you call and yeah. describe something to somebody, they can't see the beauty of it. They can't feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this one lady I did that. She, she was a high producer. Like she sold a ton of houses and I made that for her and, and took it. And she was like, I've never had one, anyone made me, make me a gift like this. This is awesome. And this and that. She started oh, wow. talking to me. And then when she placed her first order, she started using me. She wanted something like a, it reminded me when he said that she wanted like a two or three day turnaround. And I told yeah. her, I was like, I just can't do that. These are made to order. They're handmade all from rough hardwoods and I laser engrave them and finish them. You know, like everything in my shop. And she was right. like, well, my other guy used to do this and that. And I don't know what the previous product was, but it couldn't have been that great or, or it was probably more mass produced if it was done in a two day turnaround. Plus, right. it's just ridiculous. As a realtor, you know, probably at least, with exceptions, you probably know at least three weeks out when your yeah. closing date is. Right. And most yeah, you of have the, the final inspection, and then you've got like a, a month probably before yeah. closing. Yeah. And I mean, most closings still happen. Like, occasionally you mm-hmm. have one totally fall through. I've been a realtor. Some deals yeah. just go south. But right. the, you know, even if your date changes, that's what'll happen is you'll just like, we're not ready for closing. We'll bump it till next Friday, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And and so it was just ridiculous. And I've asked a couple of realtors since then. I was like, was she being ridiculous? They were like, yeah, she could give you at least a week, week and a half notice if nothing else. Right. Yeah. So my realtor, I, I had talked to her about uh, doing some cutting boards and I told her, I said, uh, cause she was like, she had hit me up a couple times and I, she didn't end up using me uh, because she wanted a quick turnaround probably it was it was more like more like a week or two but for me i'm not you know i've got other things in the in the queue and to stop doing that type of thing to to do a cutting board or two you know like you said i'm going to i want to do like 5 or 10 so i have some mm-hmm. and i didn't have any ready when she wanted them but what i told her i said hey if you want to buy 10 boards up front i'll have them ready for you they'll be earmarked for you like i won't sell them to anybody else right and i'll give you a better discount on it she never took me up on it, but you know, if I could, if I ever go full time, that's what I'm going to try to do is like get in with the realtors, get in with the, the interior designers and things like that to get them to front load the money. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd actually thought of a plan like that because I had one realtor probably every other month he was ordering 15 or 20 boards. So he's selling some houses. Um, wow. and, and he was ordering a bunch from me it was awesome. It slowed down some, but, um, I was trying to think up a proposal, you know, based on that volume, could, could, would he just prepay or pay in a couple of lumps, like a year's worth. Right. And then once he hits his money worth, basically whatever you want to say, like $1,500 a month, once he hits 15 boards for that month, if he, if he sells four more, it's on me. Like he's not paying me anything else. And so oh, it's good. just trying to front load that. I never really came up with a, with a full plan and, Realtors can be a little flaky. Like it's it's right. pressing to get them to be pretty consistent and loyal. Yeah, they just see the the shiny stuff, or they'll go grab a bottle of wine or whiskey or something, you know. Right. And um, some realtors are still real funny about it. They want to put their realty name all over the front of whatever the item is that they're giving. And I'm like, guys, nobody wants that. Ed- yeah, <laughs> I had to educate them years ago when I started this, and that's why I, I did well in Mississippi where I was because no one was doing this. They I think ours years ago on our first house gave us like a picture frame or something. And it had their realty on the frame. And my wife looked at it and was like, I'm not putting that in my house. And so I started telling them, put your client's name on it, you know, Mm -hmm. boost their ego. They'll set it out on their counter. They'll leave it sitting there. They'll show all their friends. 
mm-hmm. and you won't even have to engrave your name in the back of it, even though I'll do it for you because they'll yeah. tell everybody about it. Yeah. My realtor, she has uh, an artist that will take, come by, take a picture of the house and then uh, paint like hand paint. Uh, like a, it's almost like a watercolor type of oh, thing cool. um, of your house or whatever. And I'm thinking that thing's got to cost the same as a cutting board, at least. Probably more. Somebody's driving by, taking pictures, you know, and then taking the time to hand paint something. Could be more. Yeah, you're right. So why isn't she buying my cutting boards? Dang it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Some Something about your price point or... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, and and that's the other thing is the price point. It's hard to, you know, you've got your price that you want to put out, but then you, you look at the saturated market on... Uh, you say... It's not saturated, but it kind of is on Etsy, I feel, right. like the cutting board uh, part. But um, just the, the difference in price, I'm like, I can't compete with this price. Right. Now, these people probably are cranking out thousands of boards a month. Yeah, and they may not be valuing their time. True. A lot of people do that. They're like, well, this is my side hustle. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Well, your time's worth something because whether you put a dollar amount on that time, you you can literally not be doing something else with that same time. Right. You know, you're sacrificing that. So yeah, I, I tried over the years to bump it up to nicer boards or, you know, do do like $125 and it got to where I almost always settled around a hundred for something mm-hmm. about a 12 by 18 board It's pretty nice, mm-hmm. but I do edge grain because there's no way that that price point justifies an ingrain board at all. No, not at all. And so you know, if that's all they're willing to pay, then I just have to find ways to be more profitable. I have to be faster. I have to have mm-hmm. cheaper materials, uh, cheaper to me, you know, they don't, they don't have right. to feel cheaper, but you know, I have to get that expense down. And like you're, like we were saying, like glue up three at a time because that, you know, does your time a little bit better. So that's, mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things I've done over the years. I was walking through ACE today and, uh, our ACE does like this little, they have like items made from people locally and stuff like that and they had cutting boards there hmm. and so i just picked one up and this this cutting board was probably like it was probably like 16 by 24 and That's it was pretty big. stout yeah um it was edge grain it was uh 250 bucks decently you reasonable know. i think yeah but i'm like in and with no personalization right and so that's yeah the, that's the difference see you know? mine includes laser engraving right yeah, and so that's that's how you and I stand out, I think, is by allowing that personalization. And then you've actually, so you've diversified, and you, you do um, templates and stuff, too, for, like, charcuterie. Right. Uh, you do, like, acrylic templates and stuff. Yeah, I found so, a need. I was making a video for that. Gosh, it was a couple years ago now, just making a, a video for my channel, like, just showing, hey, here's how to make a charcuterie board, and if you don't have a CNC, you could do this. And I mm-hmm. cut a couple of those templates and just used a router, you know, stuck them to the the thing, used a router. Two years, two and a half years ago, that was not very commonplace. Like, there were some right. people doing it, but it was kind of like, oh, and that has brought a lot of traffic, is just people finding that video and, and seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been pretty good. I don't know if that market's totally saturated or what, but um, I don't know. I, I get a lot of people mentioning that and coming yeah. over from that video. Well, I think... You know, people, like you mentioned, if they don't have a CNC or whatever, and they just want to make, you know, five or ten gifts for their friends, mm-hmm. that's a perfect way to go. Yeah, even if, if they they're not have selling them, even yeah. if they're just gifts, they might just do it for Christmas. Yeah, because you don't need to invest in a $2,000 CNC or a $10,000 CNC just to make some gifts for friends. Right. 
Yeah, and yeah. I started out, uh, I was like one of the early backers of the Glowforge before they went public. Mm-hmm. And uh, waited a long time. I, I can't remember the day. I want to say it was like 530 days I waited. Oh, wow. So it was like a year and a half. Finally got the thing. And that's what I was doing everything on at first. Yeah. And that did kind of set me apart. But I tell a lot of people, you know, I was engraving boards before I even had a laser. I just found a trophy shop in town and mm. worked out a deal with them and contracted it out. Oh, that's smart. I just told them, hey, here's the basic imprint of what I'll do. Here are the options I offer. I'll come up with the, they wanted a PDF format. I'll come up with the PDF to just hand to you. I'll email it to you. I'll bring the board by. Can we do this for 12? You know, they wanted to charge me 15. And I was like, can we do it for 12? If I bring you this amount of business and they were like, yeah, we'll do that. That's great. That's, that's a like, good idea for somebody wanting to, wanting to see if they want to make that, you know, be in the market for doing stuff like that. Well, yeah. Instead and, of investing. And now, now there's so many makers like you have a big laser. I have an even bigger laser. I, I swapped it for a bigger one, but there are a lot of makers local. So if there was a way to find those people, like I would do engraving for someone else. If they just brought right. it to me, I'll laser engrave it. Yeah. That's easy money. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, it could help them start, start something like you were saying, whether, whether they would want to continue that or not, or maybe then they get a glow forge or, the, you know, they get whatever that first. Now the diode lasers are really good. I mean, back, right. Four, three four years ago that was unheard of i just got um so i have the bigger ohm tech but then i also just got the x tool okay um, 20 watt and i'm very surprised with it they're I just, impressive uh, it just did some uh uh stainless steel uh with it i'm like i had no idea i mean my first laser was one that i attached to the cnc and it was mm-hmm. a small like three three watt diode laser and it couldn't do crap and it was super slow and unreliable but nowadays a 40 watt diode laser that's just crazy does the 20 watt actually etch the steel yeah it doesn't well, just yeah, it's, you, it's you, you don't use a marking spray no Mm-mm. on stainless steel it can do it right on it huh uh, but if you want to do other metals and stuff then you would use the marking spray but it was slow it took an hour and a half to do uh a i think it was like six and a half by or maybe seven inches by probably two inch and it took oh, an hour wow. and a half. So it took a long time. Uh, yeah, but our CO2 lasers won't do that. Right. It won't etch metal. Right. Yeah. And I have the, the marking spray as well. I don't I don't like to do a lot of like metals or anything like that. I don't either. Uh, wood is just super simple. I, I know my settings. It's, you know. Comes out I better. can go out there and, and, especially on the bigger 130 watt laser, you can just crank it out in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ended up buying 150 watt Laguna last year, just upgrading yeah. to that. Um, it's a beast. Yeah. I got a pretty good deal on it. So I was like, well, I'm making a ton of these uh, templates. And it was that same thing you're talking about. I can cut right. them, you know, at a tenth the speed of yeah. even what, and the Glowforge wasn't slow, but compared to this thing, it's slow. And that, that's a drawback of those diode lasers is you can only do black acrylic, really. You can't do clear acrylic with the, with the diodes. Oh, the spectrum won't won't do it. No, I think it's it's something to do with the the lighting. You know, with just it, it's a blue light uh, versus the CO two will just burrow right through. <laughs> right. Yeah, I saw. Um, I guess it was Steve from Making It Home. He used a diode to engrave on glass, but the way he did it was he painted on some like just black tempera paint or something like right. that, and and engraved and then you wash off the temper paint cause it's easy 
and right. it actually engraved the glass. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of surprised yeah. me. Yeah. It surprised me too. Uh, and it was, I mean, look clean. Yeah. His projects. He's one of uh, the Patreon supporters uh, of this podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah. I like um, Steve. I've talked to him for a long time. Yeah. He's a great guy. So yeah, you, you're diversifying. You've got, you've got the cutting boards. You've got the, um, the templates. I see some plans on your website. You just, you know, it's like a, a boss. That's just a sales like, funnel. Yeah. 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 That's I give those away for free and that's really cuz one day I was going to start an email list and I've yet to start it and I probably have like hundreds of people on there now. Yeah. <laughs> Any plans to to take that, you know, to the next level and and start producing more plans or maybe I'm not good at the digital design. Um Yeah. I I learned SketchUp years ago, did one project with it, set it aside for a little while and then promptly forgot it. Um, I started to learn fusion 360. It just doesn't click well with me. I don't know what it is about my brain. Um, I'm the same way for some reason the the 3d stuff just does not, um, uh, I'm getting a little better at 2d type stuff, like in illustrator or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I wish I'd put in some time, you know, five, six, seven years ago. I'm sure all of us would say that like, Oh man, I really wish I learned this CAD right. a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, my wife has actually shown interest recently in learning CAD, learning Fusion. Mm. And um, I'm probably just going to pay for her to take Bob Claggett's online class or something. And right. she may be able to draw stuff for me because it interests her. Like she teaches math and science. So a lot of that spatial type oh, yeah. stuff is very interesting to her anyway. And she's very patient and very good at it. And I think mm. it would be pretty cool if I could come in with an idea and say, here are the dimensions. Cause a lot of my projects, I just build them the old school way. I just come up with dimensions and heights and right. I just go about building it. Uh, whereas drew fit from Fisher shot that I do the podcast with, he, you know, he'll draw it up every time in fusion 360 and he'll, he'll proof concept it right there. Like, yep, that looks like a viable product or whatever, or no, it doesn't. And the benefit mm -hmm. is, well, it takes time up front, but the benefit is then if he wants to, he has full renderings and everything for plans that he sells and makes Right. Um, even if I didn't sell plans, I just think it would be cool if I could come in to Rebecca, my wife and say, Hey, here's the idea. Here's a little shoe bench I want. And I wanted to have this and this and this, and, and she go to town drawing it. I think yeah. that would be neat. Yeah. And then be able to sell, sell those plans as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, so that's, that's, you know, that could be something coming up. I don't know. Um, you know, yeah. as entrepreneurs, we all have a hundred ideas a minute and right. <laughs> they don't all make it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So do you have a list of, of ideas, like project ideas that you want to do? Yeah, I've got a bunch. Ideas? Yep. Yeah. Uh, video, video ideas, or do you, do you do like your YouTube videos or whatever, just as the projects come up or do you do projects for the YouTube? It's more like projects for YouTube. Um, yeah. and that's why some things get more priority as far as projects around here that need doing. Cause I'm like, eh, and we'll, yeah. we'll bump that, you know, to another time. This video needs to take precedent. And then you look up and you're like, dang, I just made a year's worth of videos and <laughs> this didn't get done. <laughs> um, yeah. The honeydew list gets longer. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, yeah. That's what happened with, I just completed a few weeks back. My uh, boys have been just sleeping on a mattress on the ground since we moved here almost two years ago, mm. which is fine. It has not harmed them. They're still perfectly fine. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> um, but I've been talking about building them some beds. And even before I went to IWF last year, I bought all the lumber in August mm. and I had talked to a potential sponsor, which as you know, can really slow things down with the back yep. and forth. And I want to make sure that I mention them, you know, so 
I finally just completed it and I was like, man, I put that off for too long. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about the podcast, uh, a little bit more. The podcast is we built a thing. Uh, we've been doing it about five years now, so we're in a pretty good stride and, uh, it's a weekly podcast that I do with Drew Fisher from Fisher shop and Mark Christ from Gunflint designs. Those two guys, it, it's pretty uh, diverse because I'm kind of the Southern guy. And then they're, mm -hmm. you know, one of them's in Minnesota, one of them's in Michigan. So we've got a lot of different experiences in the, the stuff we make and the things we do, you know, around the house, but you have a, a pretty good rhythm on, on doing that. Yeah. We record Tuesday mornings at about, I guess it's 10 my time Eastern and drew edits it at some point that day and just it's sitting in my email uh basically it's just like okay it's there and wednesday at some point it's usually before noon but yeah usually wednesday morning i get on there and do everything and post it out and and it goes <laughs> well uh i see you you just got some new tools i think in the shop yeah what what did you pick up yeah so years ago i guess about three or four years ago i wanted a track saw and <laughs> You oh, said it. nailed it. <laughs> it was track saw, so, huh? Yeah, congratulations, Nick Poole. You're the lucky Patreon winner. If you want to be one of these winners, head over to patreon.com slash Maker Lounge Podcast to sign up. It's a new Milwaukee track saw. Uh, well, maybe if I had more Patreon sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably be one of these mugs. Nice. It'll be a mug, It'll be a mug or a t-shirt. Uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, basically I'm showing you the, the mug here. It's got the two different logos on it. And, uh, there was something in it that I just spilt on myself. That's great. Oh, nice. That was yesterday's <laughs> coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a mug or, or a t-shirt or something. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but you said that the secret word track saw. So thanks for doing that. Thank you. Patreon members for uh, supporting the podcast. Yeah, no worries. Um, years ago when I was looking the it basically came down to a Makita cordless track saw or Festool didn't even have a cordless one. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of considering both of those, and there was only about a hundred dollars difference between the Makita corded one and the cordless one. So I was like, eh. I had a couple outside projects that would have been pretty far away from our house. We lived on about an acre at the last place, and it had a really big backyard. And even with a hundred foot mm -hmm. extension cord, it's pretty far out if you're at the back of it. So right. I thought this would be handy to just have it cordless. I, I probably wouldn't use it all the time but cordless batteries and, and tools have even come a long way in four years. Definitely. But, um, Makita was kind of the only one that, that I liked the reviews of at the time. And so I mm -hmm. picked it up, but I still didn't have any, I, I never went that route of buying more Makita tools. I already yeah. had some DeWalt, uh, just drills from years ago. And I've gotten to where I just have all of these battery platforms. And so I started a few months back really kind of paring down and go, okay, if I'm going to pursue one of these and buy new batteries, because the batteries are almost the same price if you get good ones for any of the brands. So right. you might as well pursue the brand that you like their offerings the most. And that ended up being Milwaukee for me. So I started, you know, I decided I'm not buying any more DeWalt batteries. I'll just use the small batteries I have until they die, basically. Yeah. And, um getting rid of the Makita allowed me to get, well, Milwaukee just came out with the track saw. So I could now get the Milwaukee track saw and use the batteries already had. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I listed it and then come to find out my brother wanted it. So he bought it. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> well, that's convenient. <laughs> I listed it on Marketplace and he actually commented because I shared it publicly and he was like, oh man, I want this. And I yeah. texted him later and was like, "Are you, were you kidding? Like, do you really, is this something yeah. you want? He was like, yeah, because he's Mr. Makita. Oh, okay. And he yeah. was like, yeah. So it worked out. We just went for a visit back to see my folks and all my siblings and took it with me and he paid nice. me. So as long as you don't end up being tech support for him. Oh yeah. Sometimes with family, family trade-offs, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. sound like you have had experience with that. Yeah. Yeah. My, so my brother has been getting into woodworking lately and he's in Atlanta. And, um, so when I was up there for WorkbenchCon, I brought some, some tools up there. Uh, he hasn't, asked me for tech support on the stuff that I gave him, but he's been asking me for like woodworking advice and things like that. And I'm like, Hey, if we keep this up, you're going to be, we're gonna have Voltner woodworking Atlanta. Like, you know, I'm right. going to make you an extension of the company. <laughs> yeah. Billable hours. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad I haven't idea. Even made, I haven't even made a cut with that thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I just got the blade and everything set up and kind of was just fiddling with it, learning about it. Yeah. The, uh, I had invested in Makita, you know, gosh, maybe 10 years ago and just went with that platform before Milwaukee was really starting to make moves. Yeah. So oh, Makita's now great. I'm just kind I know of a lot it, of people yeah. that have them. Yeah. I'm not into that camp where it's got to be one or the other kind of thing. Uh, but definitely staying on the battery platform, it, you know, like if Milwaukee and Makita, you know, there's people who are like, Oh, this one's so much better than that one. I, I find that they're pretty comparable, but I don't yeah. own a bunch of Milwaukee stuff. No, I think so too. Uh, I happen to like their, what kind of made the decision for me is I like McKee, um, sorry, Milwaukee's, um, air nailers, like their framing nailer and their, yeah. uh, 18 gauge Brad nailer and crown stapler and all of those. They're the quietest and fastest yeah. ones of, of those brands in my opinion. And that's yeah. kind of what sold me on those. Um, and I don't have any of those yet, but that's like when I need them, I will go that route. I mean, I have a right. Ryobi airstrike and it does a pretty darn good job. Yeah. Yeah. I got it for like 150 bus. bucks. Yeah. Well, if you're doing a bunch of cabinetry and stuff like that, that's that type of tool is something you, you'll want to invest in pretty heavily. So yeah. I think you made the right move. Well, and I think we're building a house coming up soon and, um, we, um, I think I'll probably end up getting that 30 degree framing nailer from yeah. Milwaukee when I do just, I think it'll pay for itself pretty quickly. If you've ever, you know, people are like, Oh, it's so heavy. I don't think it's really that much heavier than other guns. And if you've ever used one with the big air hose attached, it's even heavier because all that hose is dragging right. down on you. Right. So all framers are heavy. Right. Have you seen those, uh, those arm, like support things that they've been yes. showing at these like it's so weird all robotic or whatever yeah but i am curious to try it just for fun i'm sure if you did something all day every day like that you would need i mean that's bound to help with fatigue right um or yeah. just overall you know not getting tendonitis or something in your arm it just looks silly like those big masks that people wear when they're spraying or whatever they're like yeah. all in, they, it's like a space suit uh -huh. basically <laughs> Yeah, I'm with like, the hose that comes out back and goes to an yeah, air pack. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm sure it's really good. Like, you're definitely filtering out everything, but it's just, it just seems like overkill for spraying some small projects. <laughs> yeah, whatever just happened to holding your breath. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, that's one way to bring the trolls out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> do what you gotta uh, do. 
So you've been uh, you've been monetized on uh, YouTube for a while. I have, yeah. Uh, it's not been some boon to me, but um, yeah. I have been. I don't remember when. I think it was probably in that first year, year and a half that I I was able to do that. Like I said, that first video I had did pretty well for me yeah. for a small channel at the time. I'm still a small channel. I've got just under nineteen thousand subscribers. Yeah, which is big. I mean, I don't know nineteen thousand people. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a sizable channel and you're, looks like you're getting some good views, even on videos you're just posting recently. You're yeah. Getting... They're doing decent. You know, every, every person who makes content would always say that they want better views right. and, and more watch time. And you know what I mean? No matter right. what level you're at, even if you are getting half a million views in the first week, you would say, I want more. Right. Are you, are you doing the uh, thumbnail game? Like you have three or four thumbnails ready to get, to launch. I struggle with thumbnails because I'm, again, I'm not good at that digital creation. And so yeah. even if I have an idea, actually, um, bringing that idea to life in a thumbnail that someone wants to click on and, and, you know, for people out there that don't make content, they may not really realize this, but you could, you could make a really good video. You know, I, I feel like my production value is really good. I'm good at editing, but it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if no one clicks on it. That's right. It, it's like the the video doesn't even exist, and so yeah, yeah, I'm struggling with that. But I usually try two of them. I'm I'm struggling to come up with two, let alone four. Right. And I I'll swap yeah. them out here and there. Do you ever get uh like deflated when you see it flatline? You you've you've you're, after your first forty eight hours and it just flatlines. Yeah, for views. sure, all the time. I mean, yeah, you know, again, as entrepreneurs and you know creators like this. We have a lot of highs and we're like, oh man, it's doing awesome. And we try to chase that and do the same thing and it flops and you, you right. just can't explain it. Yeah. And I still haven't had a video uh, be resurrected. Like all of these growth channels, they say, oh, just, you know, change your title and thumbnail and, and all of a sudden you'll start getting a surge in views. I'm like, I've tried that it. has never happened to anybody that I've ever talked to. I've tried I, it. Um, I've tried swapping out email or uh, thumbnails. I've swapped out titles even on old videos that I think would do well in search and stuff. And I've never had it happen. Yeah. I think people are getting frustrated right now with, uh, the, I know it's not clickbait. So I'm, I, I hate using that word, but it's, you have to do something that's intriguing, right. To get them to click and you have to deliver in the first 30 seconds, but you right. can't give away the farm in the first 30 seconds or they'll right. drop off and then your video tanks. So it's like, there's this, there's a magic formula <laughs> it just is so hard to crack. Yeah, you've got to have a hook click. and then somehow keep them for a while for your retention. And as far as the thumbnails and the titles, yeah, you're right. I mean, some of them, I don't even like those really vague titles, but I've even tried using some of them just to see if that's, you know, a, right. a, a thing that works. Yeah, I've done the whole thing, the researching of um, trying to do the keyword targeting and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That had That's never worked. I've done some uh borderline it's not been clickbaity but it it doesn't deliver in the first 30 seconds it'll deliver mm -hmm. like in the video and then you get the comment that's like you know oh i'll never watch this channel again i'm like okay well you didn't even watch you know two minutes into the video where yeah. i delivered on exactly what i told you i was going to deliver know? on <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's I, that's really frustrating yeah youtube is uh is is definitely a learning experience and and people just don't realize and you know i'm i'm even seeing people say 
um, very recently that um, the keywords don't even matter. Like I've not seen a difference at all in, in view, a matter of views and retention on the last few videos. And I haven't put in a single keyword mm. and I used to spend all this time, like you were talking about researching keywords and right. finding the ones that are trending and this and that and trying to include them. Yeah. They don't even do anything. Well, it's amazing that they can do a transcript of your video as soon as you upload the video. Right. And, and I think that whatever you're saying in the video is, is what they're using to test the audience. Right. So I've even tried to almost keyword stuff in the script, some things that I, you know, like buzzwords and that hadn't worked for me. So I, I don't know. You're like dropping <laughs> tracks all in there somewhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm only giving away one. Today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, one of those rich YouTubers, right? <laughs> uh, so, um, and then sponsors, you mentioned uh, sponsors. Uh, is that something that you actively search out or just as people come to you, you, uh, you try to build them into a video? I don't have a big enough channel in demand that anyone coming to me is probably worth a darn. I mean, just to be mm. honest, yeah, they're, they're the, you know, think people are shooting fireworks that was crazy loud outside oh yeah we're coming into that time oh wow <laughs> i didn't realize they would be doing it tonight i, I figured tomorrow for sure um, well i was recording with uh andy bird a couple weeks ago and people were shooting off fireworks uh well no it was last last week and people were shooting off fireworks during the after show uh, portion okay <laughs> so it sounded i was like it sounds like hezbollah around here <laughs> yeah exactly no what i was saying is you know, anyone reaching out to me is generally just not that great unless I happen to want that product and I can easily integrate that in. They're probably yeah. not going to pay for the actual video. They'll just send you product and right. I'll do that occasionally if it's something I want. Um, but no, I, I have to seek out the ones that I want and it's been very sporadic for me. I mean, to be very yeah. blunt, I've, I've not been consistent as I want to be with putting out content. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to go and ask and, and keep a pipeline full. Well, if your pipeline's not full of videos, it's hard to go and ask all these different people because you just don't have that many opportunities. Yeah. That does put a kink in it. Uh, and then also sometimes even when you get a, a, a product, then you have a, a now you have a timeline that, that you right. gotta stick to. And if, if that's driving you, then you, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to be less creative Me too. when there's a timeline on it. Uh, when I don't I have a timeline, it. I can be super creative and come up with a, a different idea. Um, but I was starting to get a lot of like sponsors for the Instagram posts and they had timelines attached to them. And so it became a part where I was like, okay, I'm just going to put out a video. I'll deliver on the creative stuff later, but I want to at least honor the partnership mm -hmm. and I don't know. I just, you probably seen, I've, I've really slowed down on the Instagram stuff because I have to, I just, I wasn't seeing the money and it was starting to become like, uh, more of a, a chore than being a fun outlet. I agree. Uh, for me, that was right around the turn of the yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Right around the, the time when they took away the reels bonuses. <laughs> yeah. It's well, it just seemed like a, a lot of stuff shifted. Uh, I was already getting just tanked and nobody was seeing anything. I even had, yeah. I had friends that I had their posts marked like to 
notify me when their reel would go live and it just wouldn't notify me. I mean, mm. I would see him in the feed and be like, I haven't seen you in a week. Yeah. That's you and I have talked about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably around the, the turn of the year we were talking about that. And, and I was surprised to see, uh, based on the content that you do put out, cause you, you put out great content and, and that's what I told you. I think back then is like, I, I don't understand why you're, why you haven't seen the growth on Instagram. Because no, I haven't changed followers on Instagram net in about a year plus. It's been yeah. just flat. Right. No matter what I do. I mean, I'm talking I can post seven times a week or yeah. or more, or I can post twice. And I, it's just kind of the same. I saw something. Well, there's an advertisement on. Uh, I was watching the Astros game before we were uh, before we got on here. And there was an advertisement for TikTok. Like, don't take TikTok away and stuff like that because it helps my my family my business and stuff like that um and i had i heard heard about them talking uh, about getting rid of tiktok in the u.s mm-hmm. last year so i wonder if it's more i wonder if they are trying to push that and if they do push that will it force more business on instagram are you on tiktok i am um tiktok's done some stuff to change recently too because very recently I, back around the turn of the year i was doing decent on there as far as mm. getting views now i can post whatever and it gets like 200 views and just mm. stops yeah so yeah, that, i don't know what that is i can't keep up with all the different algorithms right yeah and this, yeah, they're, they're changing all the time i think the the one that's been fairly consistent is youtube um yeah. and it it feels like they're the adult in the arena, mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas the others are, are the teenagers just trying to figure out what they want to be when they grow up. <laughs> yeah. They're all chasing each other and, you know, Instagram starts reels because it's more like TikTok and then TikTok does long form, you know, I mean, they right. just keep changing. Um, so speaking of uh, future uh, plans, what's your, what's the plan for your business and, and kind of going forward, leaning heavy on the, the content? Yeah, I'm trying to push hard on that. Like I said, I feel like I haven't been very consistent with it in the last, I don't know, few months at least. Uh, life just gets in the way and you get to be doing other stuff. And and yeah. part of that's just, you know, I don't have some takeoff success where YouTube's paying me thousands of dollars. They're not. It's, it's pretty small. Yeah. It's a few hundred dollars here and there. Right. And sometimes I just have to go work, you know, that's why sometimes I'll just right. go work with my friend if I don't have some sales coming in or I have to go do something else. I mean, I also have to be, like I said, I'm debt averse. So I have to be smart about it. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to have to go borrow money and, and be in debt just, just to live. So, um, yeah. that's not always the sexy thing to say, you know, to, <laughs> that's right. not the, the awesome thing like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this big giant project. Well, it's just not in the budget right now. Yeah, like the uh, the Dave Ramsey principle is you know live today. Uh, what, is it, what does he say? Something like he uh, says live live like live, nobody else. Yeah, live like no one else, so that then later you can live and give like no one else. Right. And I yeah. like that. It's it's so good. It's true. You know he's he's got a lot of uh, great uh, foundational stuff. We we tried the uh, Dave Ramsey. We still do it. You know we still are tackling one major debt at a time, but mm-hmm. it's still not. Uh, it's we're not going to be on his show screaming out, you know, we were debt free, you know, yeah. like within two years or anything like that. <laughs> we plan on doing it eventually. We're still really shooting toward the only thing we owe on is our mortgage. And we're still really yeah. shooting toward having that paid off. I want to owe nobody. I, right. I don't want to owe anything. 
and uh we buckled down when we got married we got married in 06 and in 07 we were just living in a small apartment just so we could save some money and and we kind of looked at each other and just went let's just knock out this debt actually right after we got married mm. i think it was in late 07 and we paid it all off we we both still had some student loans and mm-hmm. um she had a little bit of a car note and we were like okay we're gonna pay this off and then just not look back and we've yeah we've kept to that we've borrowed on a mortgage right um but we've got that paid down quite well now and when we build we'll be in a very very good equity position coming up nice that, that's that does take a lot of the the burden and the, the stress off of being an entrepreneur yeah 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 you're not you're not worried about failure as much yeah exactly you know, people who have launched uh, from a full-time job into into this woodworking or maker space, pretty much everybody that I've talked to is like, yep, I was debt-free before I did it, which hmm. is something I'm striving for before I make that leap. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. I mean, just knock it out. Do do yeah. what it takes, like you said, and then later you can, you can live how you want to live. Yeah, got to get rid of that $1,000 car note first. <laughs> Oof. That one hurts. That does hurt. It My does mortgage hurt. is only a thousand dollars. That's crazy. I need to, I need to move where you are. <laughs> well, I locked in before they all jumped up, and right. we only took a mortgage out for like a hundred and fifty on this house, something like that. Yeah, we ended up. Well, we didn't want pretty good. We equity. didn't want the car note for too long, so it's 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 you know like, well let's let's knock this thing out, and you know if you're forced to pay a certain a certain amount, you're gonna do it. Right. Don't stretch it out for eight years. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the average now is eight years. It's crazy. That's a long time. Long time. And you probably trade the car in before you pay it off. Most people do. <laughs> I think most people only keep them like three, a little over three. We'll tell you what, let's head over to the uh, after show. Okay. And uh, and chat a little bit more and we'll uh, save that for the, the Patreon members. If you want to be a Patreon member and get access to the after show and get the episodes early, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. And I want to say thank you to our Rockstar patrons, Jimmy McAnally, Wim Design, Calvary Customs, LLC, Clean Cut Woodworking, Bailey Thompson, Dave Garcia, Broken Lead Woodworks, Starks Lagoon, Sawyer Design, Kadama Design, Dylan Furniture, Shock the Fox, and Don Patterson. So thank you for being a patron to all of our patrons. And also thank you to Surf Prep for sponsoring this podcast. Amazing folks over at Surf Prep. Use the code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word, for 10% off your order and every time you use that code it helps me get fund a listers like bruce ulrich thanks for being here yeah thanks for having me let's talk about the podcast uh, a little bit more in the patreon section okay all right